0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our horror celebration. My favorite month of the year is <laughs> October for recording because it's all horror. My house is finally starting to be horror decked out, which is just so awesome. The theme we've got going on is skulls, bats, and black and purple. But we've also got this little string of lights that has Freddy Krueger's head on it. and play. <laughs> So then we've got little things thrown in there. We've also got a demon baby. And then in my room, I've got shocker here, but I've got a Michael Myers thing and clingy in my window. So if you walk up and you look up, you see Michael Myers in my window. I had one last year too. And so, yeah, so I'm excited about that. I know we haven't gotten to what we're talking about yet, but I just had to share that because I love this season. It's my favorite season. I love the fact that all I'm watching right now are horror things. So it's been so much fun. So tonight we are talking about someone that, you know, he doesn't just do horror, but that is where he really got his start or got his recognition from. And and I think he does amazing work. And that's Guillermo del Toro. And I have with me Bex, who's very excited to talk about this. We were supposed to have Susie on, but sadly she couldn't come on. And I know she really wanted to talk about his work. So shout out to you, Susie. Share in the comments, Susie, some of your thoughts, um, on the comments of the episode. We're not live or anything, but share some of those thoughts. And then also just, you know, people that listen, give us, whoops, give us feedback too on some of your favorite movies, uh, some of your thoughts on him as a director overall. So a little yeah. bit about Guillermo del Toro. Um, Guillermo del Toro was born on October 9th, 1964. This is all on IMDb, so I hope you're okay that I'm giving your age, sir. Uh, (laughs) He was raised by his Catholic grandmother, and del Toro developed an interest in filmmaking in his early teens. Later, he learned about makeup and effects from the legendary Dick Smith, The Exorcist, 1973, and worked on making his own short films. At the age of 21, del Toro executive produced his first feature, Donna Herlinda and Her Son from 1985. Del Toro spent almost 10 years as a makeup supervisor and formed his own company, Necropia, in the early 1980s. He also produced and directed Mexican television programs at this time and taught film. Del Toro got his first big break when Kronos from 1993 won nine Ariel Awards, the Mexican equivalent of the Oscars, then went on to win the International Critics Week Prize at Cannes. Following this success, Del Toro made his first Hollywood film, Mimic, from 1997, starring Mira Sorvino. Del Toro had some unfortunate experiences working with a demanding Hollywood studio on Mimic and returned to Mexico to form his own production company, The Tequila Gang. Next for Del Toro was The Devil's Backbone from 2001, a Spanish Civil War ghost story. The film was hailed by critics and audiences alike, and del toro decided to give hollywood another try so i'm very very excited to be talking about this man's work so we're going to be doing it basically talking about his early career then we're going to go to the 2010s era and then to present day uh before we dive into that though sorry i almost forgot to ask bex what she's into right now i almost just (laughs) right ahead to the main meat of what we're talking about so what are you into right now
1: well I think I talked about Bad Sisters last time, so I will skip that one yet until it's totally wrapped up. But I'm that's the closest to horror, I guess. It's a murder mystery. But I am I just finished watching season five of Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> and Cobra Kai to me is one of those shows that's like so bad it's good like it's just super cheesy it really leans into that 80s nostalgia and the over the top heroes and villains and the fight scenes are just like one two three everybody's like karate chopping everybody else and it but it doesn't take itself too seriously right it like it understands that it is mostly a show for people who are nostalgic for karate kid movies <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I still haven't watched it. (laughs) No, I mean, someday
1: it's not not for everyone. I think there's going to be at least one more season the way they ended it. Um, I hope there's another season the way they ended it. But (laughs) one of the main characters uh, played by Solo Maridueña, he's going to be in the new Blue Beetle movie that's coming out. So I don't know what his availability is going to be in terms of filming and that sort of thing, but
0: we'll see. Oh yeah, well, and I mean, I liked Karate Kid as a as a kid. <laughs> uh, we'll probably cover that movie at some point, you know. Oh. I mean, because we have so many Gen Xers and millennials that listen to us, so I'm sure we'll cover it at some point. So, All right. I'm sure if we do that, we'll probably do it like a double bill and cover the sh- cover the show, mm-hmm. and then cover Karate Kid or cover Karate Kid and then cover the show. That kind
1: of gotcha. Thing. Yeah. So one of the things they do is they bring back a lot of. Um and they're not even cameos cuz they like have full roles like they bring back villains from the films as mm-hmm. they are now and it's the same actors and so i keep joking like i'm just waiting for hillary swank to show up. <laughs> because <laughs> even though she wasn't in a, with the core cast that's in the show she was in with um pat pat Mar- marida yeah Marita? Right, is that his name? Is that his name? I'm getting the thumbs up from across the room so okay. I'm, gonna, okay. I'm gonna go with that um, you know he, she did the film with him so there would be like a way to explain that that crossover I just want to <laughs> see her come into that for for <laughs> nostalgia's sake
0: well fingers crossed that happens then so. thanks <laughs> yes, yeah. so like I said all I'm watching is horror and most of it is just in preparation for the podcast so it's nothing new once again, go watch *Barbarian*. Yes, I am going to be harping on this movie forever. You're just going to have to deal with it. So go see the movie, and you'll see why I am going to be talking about this movie until the end of the year, at least. But I have been rewatching the *Purge* television series because we are going to be covering the *Purge*. And usually, I don't, I don't talk about stuff that will figure into like our episodes later. But I decided to do this one because this is going to be towards the end of our horror month. And um, I think this television show is really good. I'm a fan of the Purge series. I know there are a lot of people that aren't. I understand. I understand the issues with th- these things. I understand, you know, how it's not everybody's cup of tea. I totally get it. It's like the most, the closest thing to torture porn that I actually like, even though I don't really even consider it necessarily torture porn. Um, But I like them because I think, I think they're fun in some kind of sick way. And I also just think this is something that could actually happen <laughs> in the United mm. States. So I'll be honest, I do. And I think the television show is actually better than the movies. And I'm really sad that it wasn't renewed for a third season. So I'm recommending this. If you, even if you haven't been a fan of the movies, but you're a fan of horror and you can take what The Purge is about, because if you don't know what The Purge is about, you know, it's an annual thing holiday in America that could become an institute where all crimes, including murder, are legal. So people commit crimes for 12 hours every, every year. And you know, you can't call the police. You can't call ambulances. Nobody will help you. So, <laughs> and it's all about class too. It's all about yeah. racism. It's all about money, power, all that kind of stuff. And how this supposedly will create a utopia world if we just give one day for people to get out those urges. Of course, this isn't true, but this is what they say. And so the TV show delves deeper into it. Like the second season is all about the time in between one purge to the next purge. And that's what's really fascinating about the second season more so than the first one, because you see um, the repercussions on some people. They follow a few people around like, one guy who basically um, he's basically doing one thing of purge as a, as a form of self-defense kicked up something in him and he's terrifying. Um, But so it's a very interesting show. I think it can get a little bit depressing if you're binging it like I am. So try and take breaks in between it, but I I think it's good and I love the movies. So I'm excited to be talking about. Those coming up later on with Bex's co-host, Kim. Yes. She's going to be on that one. As, and She's also going to be on our Final Destination one. And mm-hmm. I'm very excited to talk about those trash heaps of movies. I love them. But <laughs> except for the, the <laughs> first one is brilliant and amazing. So
1: you know. (laughs) Yeah, that happens a lot, right? Where the first one's really good, and then after you're like, no, you you should have stopped with one.
0: (laughs) Well, they just become they're, uh, and by try I mean trash heaps actually as a compliment. They're very, um, they're very they're fun, and they're just kind of like, if you love horror and it's just all out, but the first one I actually think has one of the scariest plane crash scenes ever. I'm afraid of flying anyway, and so I remember when I first watched it, and I was like, Yep, I'm never getting on a plane. I've been on a plane, but <laughs> <laughs> that's I, good. That's I, good. I hate flying, though. I, I I hate it for many, many reasons. But anyway, so let's get into Guillermo del Toro, and we're going to start with his early work in the '90s and the 2000s. So, of course, this features films such as, like we mentioned at the top, Chronos from 1993, The Devil's Backbone, Mimic, uh, Blade Two. Hellboy, and its sequel, Hellboy 2. Um, just Those are some of the big highlights from around that time. And, of course, um, didn't of course the second in that? The second yeah. best
1: Guillermo del Toro movie, Pan's like, Labyrinth.
0: Why is it not listing it in the 2000s here? Sorry, I'm reading something, so that's why I'm like, this is bullshit. So, <laughs> yes, and, of course, Pan's Labyrinth, which I want to say, as I've mentioned before, my mom doesn't do horror movies. My mom loves Pan's Labyrinth. So, all right. Just, yeah, it's,
1: just my in movie. my opinion, the second best Guillermo del Toro film, but I'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, yeah, it's, it's one of my first. I was favorite. actually so- kind of
1: curious to have Susie on here to see because I know that is a lot of people's favorites. So I was curious where she stood in that in that.
0: I spectrum. I'm not positive because I think she's I think it might be the devil's backbone, but correct me if I'm wrong, Susie. But I know well, she if loves she Pans is, we're Labyrinth. We're on the same team. <laughs> I know she loves Pans Labyrinth because yeah. she's mentioned a lot of the characters and um, actually, kind of a I'm not going to say because it's kind of a spoiler for Barbarian. But anyway, so uh, so Bex, what are your overall thoughts on the early work? I know you mentioned beforehand that this is kind of where most of your yeah. watches and most of your memories of his work so i'm sure you're i know you're a big fan not sure you are. <laughs> so what are your overall thoughts and then you can give a couple of your favorite films
1: sure that. um well i think the 90s and the first decade of the 2000s are really like peak del toro i it, those are his best films i have many feelings about the ones in the 2010s <laughs> um that are very different from the ones i have from the 90s and the 2000s but yeah. um the first one i saw was Pan's Labyrinth i think that's pretty common for most uh american audiences yes. and i loved it i the cinematography the costumes the the makeup like the all the awards that it won when it won them well mm-hmm. deserved i think it should have gotten more but um you know at this point when I saw the film, I had studied a lot of Spain and Spanish history in school. Uh, my major was Spanish as an undergrad and uh, for my master's, which I think I had just begun when I started doing that. And so I was very familiar with the historical period of the film, which I think was helpful, not necessary. You you didn't have to know the Spanish civil war uh, to get it, but I felt like that enhanced my viewing of it. And and so I enjoyed it uh, a lot more for that. The The monsters and all of that was sort of a bonus for me. I was like, ooh, Spanish Civil War history, let's go. <laughs> and then like, oh, the, well, anyway. Yeah, the one with uh, the monster with the eyes with in the his eye. hands, mm-hmm. he, the best. Yes. Then I went to... um to grad school and I actually took a class that was exclusively on the films of Pedro Almodovar who is a Spanish director mm-hmm. and Guillermo del Toro and we had to throughout the semester basically watch all the films except for Blade 2 for some reason, but I'm guessing it's only because it was Blade 2 and he didn't expect us to go back and watch Blade 1. I. I don't know. Which you should have. Sorry, <laughs> Which I, is have a great, great movie. I have seen. I have seen that one. I have, I I liked it overall, but I have feelings about the, the way it ended. Uh, maybe I should go watch Blade 2. <laughs> Just the tone he takes with uh, the female character at the end of that first film. I'm like, talk to me like that. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so we had to watch all of his films up to that point. Well, starting with Kronos and then working our way up to, uh, I think the last one out at that point was Hellboy 2. So I watched all the ones that that you mentioned before from this time period. Although I will say, I think before I took this class, I had seen The Devil's Backbone and that is hands down my favorite. So I'll save that for for later. Brilliant. It's uh, yes, that that's why, like, everyone will say, oh, Pan's Labyrinth is and Pan's Labyrinth is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. It's phenomenal. But I just I have a special place for the devil's backbone. You know, I think the big thing for me with these films overall is that most of them are in Spanish. Mimic is not. And the Hellboy movies aren't but even Pan's Labyrinth and kind of being in that, that being a big Hollywood film, being in Spanish, I, I really, really, I, I just think he, he shines in his Spanish language films in a way that doesn't, for some reason, at least for me, it doesn't translate when he does them in English. And maybe it's just a coincidence of the storyline. Who knows? um just, some like, I, I kind of thought, I don't know if they're fun facts, but some like little things that stood out to me from this period. Like, you've got Ron Perlman, uh, he's in Kronos, <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> he's love amazing. Ron Perlman. Sorry, I just well, that's and that's one of Guillermo del Toro's favorite actors, so yes,
1: yeah, yeah he's definitely a, a he's kind of like the John Ratzenberger of <laughs> Del Toro, and not quite, not quite, he's done everyone, but um, uh, but I feel like he's very well utilized in Guillermo del Toro's films like he he's always perfectly cast for whatever he's doing Um, you know the, the that film I remember s- starting it up and seeing his name on there and going like wait is he gonna speak Spanish <laughs> like what's happening but um, his character does speak English and um, but he appears obviously in the Hellboy movies and he is in the new one right? I think he's in the new Nightmare one. Nightmare Alley, yes. Nightmare Alley. He is. Which, for someone who's on a Guillermo del Toro episode, I probably should have managed to find some time <gasps> to watch that one, but it's on my list. It's definitely <laughs> on my list, I promise.
0: <laughs> I love that. Oh, sorry, I will wait
1: to talk about that. Okay, <laughs> alright. No, I mean, it looks really good, and I have no, like, there's no issue with not wanting to see it. It's just been a matter of fitting it in. Mimic, some fun facts about Mimic. This did not end the way that Del Toro wanted to. He basically didn't have the final cut call on that. And I like watching that film and how it ended, it cracks me up thinking, like, well, how would he have ended this film? And my theory is that everyone would have died and the bugs would have taken over. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Probably, you're probably right. Yeah. That that is that's where I like I would have seen it going because it just it sort of fits in with his whole take on monsters and what they're capable of so um but if you are afraid of insects I would definitely stay away from that
0: one yeah and don't watch it if you're eating the only reason I yeah. said that is for me I don't like watching things where there are cockroaches and I'm eating <laughs> That's just what? a me thing. I know there are other people that aren't like that. Like Susie, no. if Susie was on here, Susie will watch like body horror films and eat while she's watching them, and she purposely does it. <laughs> I love, love you, Susie. Susie. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm like someone gets a bloody nose on a on a while I'm eating dinner, and I'm like, oh, can't look, can't look. <laughs> uh, but I I really like the way that that movie played out, and just. Like, as they're sort of going through the whole process, it just the end was kind of like, oh, and they lived happily ever after. And it was like, that seems out of character for his films, but OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, Another recurring actor for him is uh, Federico Lupi. And he was in Chronos, The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. He's a real big name in Spanish films. Um, He's in one of my favorite John Sayles movies, which is in English, I think it's called Men with Guns. And it's phenomenal. He's just an amazing actor. And he's Argentinian and he plays like Spanish. He plays Central American. He plays Mexican. Like You give him any one of those roles and he can jump in there. I think the Hellboy movies are del Toro's best English language films. And that's a little, you know, if I haven't spoiled it already, thoughts on my on the 2010s films. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I haven't seen that most recent one. So I will. That's I will not from
0: 2010s, that. though. That's, that's from true. Tw- that's, that's, th- that's, from 2020s. that's
1: right. That's true. That's true. And yes, yeah, I mentioned before, you know, Pan's Labyrinth was it. it was very deserving of the Oscars. It did win, but I really wish it had won for best foreign film which it was put up for, but it did not take that year. I I don't know. I just, I absolutely love all of these films. I, and I loved being able to watch them chronologically, like the way we were assigned to watch them in class was just like, okay, start at the beginning. And so you can kind of see his progress and having, you know, besides Hellboy too, like having Pan's Labyrinth sort of stand at the end there compared to Kronos, which I would list as my third favorite if I were uh, ranking them. I, It's just fantastic to see the progress that he made, especially when he had some of that Hollywood money behind him, right? So yes, hands down, no questions. Devil's Backbone, absolute favorite. Um, I love the history, the ghost story, the action, the tension. Like there's so much tension there. You're not exactly sure where the story's going and, and, there's a literal bomb in the middle of the the school area, the orphanage area that takes place like and so that's like this taking time bomb almost in a sense that that adds to that tension um all of it, the mystery, the trying to figure out like okay, where did this ghost come from? Is the ghost really there i I love when they play with that reality and supernatural element um and and i think the devil's backbone really hits that balance perfectly i i haven't re-watched it in a little while but it is the one i've watched the most i think i've seen it like three or four times and you know i think the spanish civil war is it's like the perfect backdrop for horror films it, i mean war in general can be but um the civil war really at least in in the context of of spanish history is probably the best setting for those horror films and i think it's interesting that he chose it for multiple films right that that it's not just devil's backbone he used it for pan's labyrinth as well um and i think these are his best films like when he set them in this in this area and the other, there's one that he produced and didn't direct, The Orphanage.
0: Love The Orphanage.
1: A, Love a fucking amazing. So like much. I just, mm-hmm. I absolutely. That's one. Of, oh, heartbreaking, but absolutely amazing. Um, and creepy children are always going to be super creepy,
0: <laughs> <thing> <laughs> like that. Oh. Yes,
1: they are. They're the scariest. Um. <laughs> And and so Devil's Backbone is also an orphan story, right? Because it's, it's basically children whose parents have died or been taken prisoner uh, during the Spanish Civil War. And this is a place where they're all taken in and taken care of. Um, it takes place at the end of the Spanish Civil War, which is interesting compared to um, Pan's Labyrinth, which takes place at the beginning. And just to sort of see even though the films were made in reverse of the time periods they cover just to sort of see them as bookends to this this war process and and i love that the lesson and i love this in like any horror film uh, that the lesson is that the real monsters are the humans (laughs) right yeah they always are (laughs) they Mm -hmm. always are and and when that's like you see that in lots of films for sure, but I think this one does it so well because it's the layers of the monstrosity in these humans um is very is varied and nuanced and um it's just beautiful. I think you did it earlier, like chef's kiss it it really mm-hmm. truly is
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it really is an amazing, amazing um film and you know, I, I think it's a running theme for Del Toro and a lot of his horror films, and even his films that might not be considered horror horror, um, is the fact that the things that we call monsters and the things that we call bad or evil or different or weird are actually not the things that are as scary. I mean, in Pan's Labyrinth, that is not the scariest part. The sc- by at all. I mean, that movie is so much about child abuse. And about that kind of stuff, too. So it's like the humans are always the scarier elements in a lot of horror films. And Mm -hmm. the reason horror is such a special genre and the reason it irks me when people say, why does horror have to get so woke? Horror has always been political. There's a great TikTok um, video that, that Meg, frequent panelist Meg, sent me that talks about that how bella Lugosi and all these people were very 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 left people and vincent price became very liberal he was one of the only people um along with uh, elizabeth taylor who actually you know spoke out about aids and sat with aids patients and all that stuff and that's just one of many things but horror you know everything they are talking about Usually, yes, there are your fun little bee horror flicks that might not have anything that they're saying necessarily, but there's always a message in horror. It's always talking about something, and usually it is talking about stuff that we don't always want to face or talk about, and a lot of times it's about how we other people, the othering of people, and how really, you know, like any zombie flick you will watch, yes, zombies can be terrifying, But at the end of the day, the scariest characters in any zombie flick are going to be the humans because it's how humans react to certain things like that, to certain horrible events and to certain monstrosities and how they turn into monsters themselves, but of a different variety. Mm -hmm. So what you see a lot in what I think Del Toro is explaining theme wise, all the way up to Nightmare Alley, which yes, Nightmare Alley is a remake, but still, all the way up till then, he chose to do it. So all the way up till then, what I think he is exploring is this whole thing about where do people that feel like outcasts or have been othered by society in any way, shape or form, where do they fit in? And I think that's why his work is so, so good. Um, and I-, I choose Pan's Labyrinth as my favorite and I'll start there and then I'm kind of going to go backwards so I'm doing it opposite here. And I'm only choosing that because I it's kind of tied with Devil's Backbone, but because Bex chose that one, I'll just choose this one too. And I think it is just because it is um it does everything that great that horror can do. In the fact that it takes you to a fantasy mystical world it creates creatures that are very terrifying when you first see them. But there's also some layers to it and some escapism to it. It's got an amazing heroine. Um, It's got fear like up to a 10 and I'm mainly from the humans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just a fantastical allegory about about war and about also about – well, child abuse is I think the biggest running theme – of it and a child trying to regain power of their universe when they don't have any power of the universe. And I think he also explores that in Devil's Backbone yeah. too. So I think that's another, another big theme there. And I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful film. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, all his films are pretty, are just gorgeous to watch. Even if they're not the best film, they're gorgeous to look at. True. Um, and when we get to the 2020, <laughs> the 2020 area, I have one like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, And mimic uh, the. I'll go back now. So mimic. I I hadn't watched it before this, so I kind of chose. Except for I'm going to make a confession when we get to the next era of a film that I still haven't watched. That I am ashamed to say I haven't watched. Um. So I. So I gave you shame for Nightmare Alley, but I deserve shame too. So maybe we both will be able to cover the no shame, no shame. This is a shame free podcast tonight. (laughs) Uh, but I watched, but I decided to try and watch movies of his that I hadn't seen before. I did rewatch Hellboy though, because I just love Hellboy. And I think Hellboy 2 is actually better than Hellboy. Um. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> uh, but this was the first time, like I said, watching Mimic. And this is very much a creature feature and also about men. You know, it's the classic Classic, classic tale of men messing where mankind messing with stuff that they shouldn't and messing with the order of things and messing with, this time, bugs and, you know, because they're trying to do something good in saving children, but at the same time, they end up creating something evil and horrible. And it was fun. It was a fun creature feature. I would definitely not put this in one of my favorites of his and you could tell, like I was watching it and I'm like, this it does feel like a Del Toro film, but it also feels like a Hollywood film. Yeah. And I don't – and that doesn't always have to be a bad thing. But I think in this instance with somebody like this who's such a, a creative genius, I, you could tell that that was probably really hard for him starting out. And that has, this happens all the time. But to have that Hollywood system coming down, you you, you want to do something a little bit more creative and, you know, who knows what that ending, original ending would have been. So, you know, it's not a fault of the actors because I actually think the cast in this is really, really good. I think they do yeah. a really good job. It's just... Not up to the same level as his other stuff, but I really don't fault him for that because I right. think he didn't have as much control over this. And he and I think that's what happens with some writers and directors when they're young and they're just starting out or they're working in a Hollywood, on a Hollywood film. And then they kind of – they don't have as much clout. And so I'm sure that's a lot of what happened there. Uh, I don't yeah. know for a fact, but that's – I'm sure that's a lot of what was going on. Plus, of course, the studio he was working with, but we won't get into that. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, and, well, that was Miramax back when that was, that was back when it was run by the Weinsteins. Ah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. You know, and and Mira Sorvino, you know, was one of the people mm-hmm. that Harvey Weinstein abused. So I think that also is something that also, That's worth I taking mean, into consideration. He's a very, he was a very, he's a very angry, Horrible, awful human beings. So I don't know this for a fact, though. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Just you know, it's one of those things that now when you look back and every time you see that Miramax logo and you're like, okay, which year did this come out? Okay, this is still when it was controlled by the Weinsteins. You're mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, I, I, this was before you knew about this stuff. So is it okay? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's exactly. You the can, company from the art. It's thing. kind of that moral yeah. dilemma,
1: right? Yes. <laughs> like, should I engage in this media or not? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. And um and then Hellboy, I, I love these movies, Hellboy and Hellboy too. This is the perfect superhero type movies, because this is I don't care, this is superhero. Sure, absolutely. Hellboy is a superhero. And these are the perfect ones for Del Toro to do because this is again, you've got Hellboy who, you know, represents what we as a and I'm out and I wonder, you know, with the way he was raised with religion and with catholicism if that at all factored into why he would want to do something that again it has to do with things that are considered like the darker side of the darker side of the light yet hellboy is the hero yes he's rude he um is kind of like <laughs> "fuck you all the time But he's awesome, and one thing I appreciate about these movies, and what Del Toro realized, I think, is, and other people may not have, is the sexual magnetism of Ron Perlman. And I'm not saying that to be, like, gawking about No offense to to David Harbour. (laughs) I love David Harbour, too. David Harbour's got incredible sexual magnetism, so not at all, because I – adore that man i, I right. mean yes i oh my god yes don't yes I. it's I just love too Dana
1: bad Harper. that that one wasn't d- didn't turn out as as awesome as these first two we'll just yes, put it yes. that way
0: <laughs> i'm not saying i and i'm not saying the sexual magnetism because i don't think david harbour has that i'm just saying that i've never seen ron perlman portrayed that way and I mm-hmm. think the reason he's so he's got that is he's got that thing that and this is why I think David Harbour was actually the perfect person for a recast because they both have that same kind of thing where they're very much men I mean they're like men like when you think of that word like men with cap all capital letters I'm not saying jerk wise or anything like that but they are just like a force and they kind of when they come on the screen it's like I don't know. You're kind of overpowered by Mm -hmm. their their presence, and I mean that in a good way. And I think this was the first time where also there was some sexiness because it could go back to. (laughs) It probably goes back to my legend days, but I think the character of Hellboy is incredibly sexy and (laughs) probably should be. But I think it is, and and I think it's supposed to be, and I think it's also supposed to be. This is something maybe you're not supposed to think is sexy or attractive. But you do. so, And plus they're just, they're funny and they're fun. And it's got that, you know, wonderful, the the effects and the beauty and the look of it and the aesthetic. And a lot of his films are very lush and very tactile. And this is definitely another one like that. Um, And to let you know, if you're looking to watch del Toro movies, go to HBO Max right now. They've got so many of his films right now. You can also find him on Hulu and stuff, too, and and Netflix, like, for Crimson Peak and stuff. But go to, like, HBO Max has tons of his movies. Unfortunately, you cannot find Pan's Labyrinth, that I did at least, on streaming. You can rent it, but you can't find it anywhere right now because I made the whole list of where to find his movies.
1: Yeah, you, you made that list and sent it to me, and I was like... I can also find most of them just on my DVD show. <laughs> well, I, I,
0: <laughs> wanted know, to make I it for... no, no,
1: I appreciate that, and I think the audience really does too, because we're not living in that world with DVDs anymore. But I Which do we like should be, be because for reasons I do, I do like having some of them for some mm. of my favorite films. Like we we have a very select collection now, but. Um, most of those early films those 90s and 2000s films of his uh, are on the shelf
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and but just to let you know and if you want to know of any other ones let me know because i did make a list but and maybe i'll pull that up here towards the end just so that people can know where to find some of these movies that we've talked about but um it was pan's labyrinth and the shape of water i think are the i think pan's labyrinth was one you had to rent maybe it was just shape of water but anyway i'll look back on that um are ones that you have to rent and aren't available to stream anywhere right now um you know nightmare alley is available on hulu and hbo max so there's really no excuse. so with or without <laughs>
1: commercials
0: well no you can get hulu without commercials i have Well hulu for community. those of us who,
1: who have the one with the commercials cuz we're cheap
0: <laughs> I don't think you have to watch. Commercial. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was saying this because there was really no excuse for Bex not to watch it since there were two platforms. The excuse. <laughs> I'm just. I'm totally kidding because I totally understand. Um, yeah, because the excuse is all about
1: time and not about location <laughs> or accessibility. Well, I
0: understand. I understand. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Okay, so now let's move on to the 2010s. Okay. And some of the films there, and hopefully they're missing. Um, and it's kicked off. We kicked off the well, this wasn't the kickoff because it was December 9th. But on December 9th, 2010 is when Del Toro launched Miranda Studios with his longtime cinematographer, Guillermo Navarro, director Matthew Cullen, and executive producer Javier Jimenez. Murata was formed in Los Angeles to be a collaborative space where they and other filmmakers can work with Murata's artists to create and produce projects that span digital production and content for film, television, advertising, interactive, and other media. Um, during the 2010s, Del Toro directed Pacific Rim. Um, he also directed pilot episode of The Strain, a vampire horror television series. Um, also did crimson peak which is a gothic horror film that he co-wrote with matthew robbins uh shout out any that i'm missing here because i'm doing this off of here and it's driving me nuts
1: no in the before the shape of water it's just um pacific rim an episode of the simpsons uh, some video game of pacific rim another video game and then the strain and then crimson peak
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you missed any. I didn't. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. And then rounding out the 2010s was the Academy Award winning film, The Shape of Water, which won for Best Picture and for Directing for Del Toro. And this is the movie that your host has yet to see. It is so bizarre. I do not know why I haven't seen this movie. I've had a long time to see this movie. And it won in 2019 i don't know why i haven't watched it and it is a shame that i will live with until i watch it and I, <laughs> I my goal was to watch it this time and i just didn't and i think it was just me being well i don't i don't know if i want to pay for it right now I'll wait till some streaming. <laughs> so i well, honestly you, don't you think you're it?
1: missing anything but yes i have seen it okay um, good I, so
0: at least we'll have it covered so yes. back I, mean, I... I know this I know this isn't as much of a favorite era for you yeah. for Del Toro but what are your overall thoughts and do you have a favorite? In- I do. Okay. I do. Um by
1: process of elimination but also <laughs> <laughs> But also I did actually like the one that that I picked as my favorite from this from this decade. Um I do struggle with the films from this era, and I was really excited for Crimson Peak because what I saw Crimson Peak as when it was going to be released was that that Del Toro-ness that was really... um, prominent in his spanish language films being put in english so that a wider audience would appreciate it right or or have access to it because some people are unable to watch films with subtitles or maybe just don't even like to so they they choose not to and so i was really excited about crimson peak when it came out and visually it's super cool like the the visuals in crimson peak the the walls in the house and the like all the red the color set like the color choices that are made are fantastic um I felt like this is a gothic novel come to life like I was I was really into it and I really liked at least the first half to first three quarters of it (laughs) and then it kind of fell apart for me at the end it really did um I I kind of wish that it had stayed like that haunted house type Horror thing, and I feel like it went in a different direction, right? Like I was buying into the supernatural and the, the incest
0: this... direction. You mean? Sorry, <laughs>
1: yeah, I was getting there, That's... but yes, sorry, yes,
0: I jumped the gun for you. I'm sorry, no,
1: yes. no, but you're absolutely right. That was. It. I was like, wait, why? Why did we have to go there? <laughs> like incestuous sibling story, murdered parents, a dead infant, like all this, just like weird weirdness, you know the marriage murder plot like the ooh, okay you're gonna marry people that were gonna take their money blah blah. fine I'm okay with that that that's that's all right um you know but it just it was icky for me (laughs) like that whole element of it just took me out of enjoying the story and I felt like it kind of had a flat ending you know um like the i don't it's spoiler we spoil we're spoiler spoiling for, all these. we're spoiling movies. for everything this, this okay is, oh, this is i okay, skip the episodes like, when i haven't watched things because I know. i'm like i, I don't want to be and spoiled I'll
0: put, <laughs> I'll put like a spoiler warning at the beginning but just so everybody knows we are spoiling all of these movies I, i'm not going to spoil nightmare alley because since bex hasn't seen it but <laughs> well, we, not, you can it's all right i, I i'm okay but, with it but we're going to be spoiling these and most of these movies we're talking about they're so they came out a while that ago. that I don't feel bad about Spider-Man, Okay, so. all right. Um,
1: <laughs> well, good, because, like, the whole ghost Thomas thing at the end, like, why? What? Like, let her save herself. You don't need, like, the ghost of your dead lover to come. Come on, you know, like, I to be honest, I did have to go back and refresh my memory on this because I've only watched it the one time because it made me mad and I just couldn't watch it again. <laughs> I just I just I haven't revisited and I'll say I feel pretty similarly about the shape of water I really wanted to like it and I just didn't I don't the protagonist like her introduction really great even her closeness with the the amphibian man fine with that Um, I didn't see the romantic relationship part that happened from it but like okay we can go there. <laughs> But I just, I saw them more as kindred spirits, kindred souls to one another than lovers. And and I would have been content with that direction. I don't know. I, 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 I honestly, it's a film. It's make-believe. I don't have a problem with like an amphibian creature and a human, but I just didn't see that relationship develop in a way that made sense for me. I don't know.
0: I know you haven't seen this one so there's not like you can't no, really okay. add to it but um this one's one that people are very very mixed on it's not just you most people are, yeah people either I know people that that this is this was their favorite movie of that year I know people that think this was the stupidest movie one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen so it's a <laughs> wide range of feelings well that's
1: it. kind of why I was hoping like you or Susie would be like telling me like oh no this is the way you should like if you look at it this way and give me another perspective because i'm open to another perspective but like i'm just i don't have it so listeners if you've got a perspective come and and like at me i'm okay (laughs) i want to see it you know um i just i just didn't really connect with the the characters in this one it there were parts of it that seemed pretty predictable and then other parts that just didn't resonate with me um, but again I only watched this one once as well so if someone is willing to like talk to me about this I, I'm open to listening that's that's all um, which of course leaves then my favorite to be Pacific Rim
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm only laughing because I figure this is just by i'm sorry everybody I'm to be, sorry
1: <laughs> i honestly did enjoy this movie though because i like kaiju movies i like godzilla um i'm personally um a bigger fan of Gamera, who is a giant turtle kaiju uh, <laughs> who was created to like kind of compete with like the Godzilla film franchise, but like anyway, I I do like that. So I, I bought into this idea. Okay, we're fighting kaiju with which is basically like the robot kaiju. They they called them Jaegers, I think it was. Um it, it seemed like it would be a light good time. Also, fun fact um there's an MST3K episode on a film called Atlantic Rim. <laughs> It definitely deserved the MST 3K treatment. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Like, no, would I put it in my top three? No, I wouldn't. But did I actually enjoy it for for what it was supposed to be? Yeah, I I'm good with that one. I just feel like Del Toro's dark films are better in Spanish, and his action adventure films are stronger in English. Like, I, and that's. Hmm just again i haven't seen the most recent one so i can't really speak to where that fits in to that whole category but based on what i've i've watched like that's that's the pattern i'm seeing
0: that's interesting and i want to point out because we are going to get some feedback because i've missed some very important films that he was screenwriter or director on here so um, he wrote the screenplays for the Hobbit movies. I, I so oh, sorry. Those are not my. He but was? he was take. He was taken but, off. But of he that still. Project. But he still got credit. Yes. He Still got yeah. screenwriting credit though. so I, I so I, he has screenwriting credit. He might have been taken off, but he does have screenwriting credit. So I'm sure people would give us backlash if I didn't put that out there. So I wanted to make sure to mention that. I, that's not. I do not like that kind of stuff. I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan. I'm sorry, Tiff and a lot of other people but it's not my jam not my I... kind of thing so i have not watched him i never probably will watch him so just to look but i just knew that people would say something and also because i thought this was 2020 for some reason but the scary stories to tell in the dark was mm. came out in 2019 and he wrote one of. he was a writer on that so yeah um I... also that one which i watched for the first time prepping i things.
1: was just looking at him directing because i felt like if i got into the like producing and screenwriting things i there would be so many to talk about i was like i gotta narrow this down one way so that's i yeah, was just on the list on, I put both.
0: on the list i put both but um, yeah. of where they were so um so yeah and he also wrote something called don't be afraid of the dark and um he's produced he produced an amazing movie called splice and that was the 2000s okay great science fiction film i highly highly recommend it And funny little story about that one, Um, my sister and I went to see that, and she thought I was saying we were going to go see a movie called Spice, and she's like, oh, is this about a chef that becomes like a serial killer? And I don't remember how she worded it, and I wish I could because it was so hilarious that I was like, someday I have to write a screenplay for that, so maybe I should cut this part out. So anyway (laughs) – Trademark, <laughs> registered trademark. <laughs> like, or I'll just cut it out. So yes, yes. But I wanted to mention those because I knew it, it doesn't matter if he he's he, people would come.
1: Yeah, sure. No, that's us, fair. That's do. fair. So um, I think he was also producer on the Book of Life, which is an animated film. And I, I know you don't usually watch those either, um unless they're for the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I think that's another one that that's uh, yeah. He's good produced
0: film. like tons of things yeah a that's the thing a of things, so it gets
1: it gets too big <laughs> but
0: well, screenplay is gets... fair to bring up
1: screenplay is definitely you know because that's the creative process
0: well producing is creative too though oh you okay have to be, I, was, you have I mean to use a, you have to be very i mean producing yes producing is thought of as as the money side It's that side. but there is creative stuff that you have to utilize when you are doing producing as well. I fair think.
1: enough, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the industry in in that capacity. so I, I took a definitely class about
0: producing and, and 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 it gave me more respect for it. But you also learn, you know like if you see on if you see in the credits executive producer, usually that just means they gave money and they don't necessarily have a big part behind the scenes the producer doesn't always have like money they're the ones trying to get that and they're trying to have things stay on track and having you know stuff like Mm. that but the um and a producer has a lot of power and a lot of say but executive just to let you know that's usually just to give someone a fancy title on there just saying they, they shut out the money Gotcha. So in case you ever are, are wondering about some of that stuff, and of the course, different I mean, levels of lot,
1: producer for sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different nuances to all of it, of course. But uh, yeah, and of course, he did the the screenplay for. Well, this is coming to 2020s. Okay, so let's. Oh, I haven't talked about this time. Yeah, here, you tell me. I don't really have much to say about this. Time <laughs> here, to be honest, um. So, uh, uh um, Crimson Peak. Um, I like gothic horror to an extent I did, I did like this movie. Um, it was the first time I'd watched it. Uh, and I don't know why I never watched it before, but I did know the whole twist of like that, the brother and sister were, you know, sisters like madly in love with their brother and they were all they had. And they were always swindling these women. I did know that, um, I do want to point out Jim Beaver is in this movie and his murder holy crap that was oh, oh my so god violent. his head was just like bashed in it was that was i was like kind of shocked i wasn't expecting that in the movie for some who had
1: them. it worse him or the sink no i definitely him but you know that <laughs> <laughs> or the
0: sink. well it's a good question i mean yep. that was pretty that was oh my gosh that that murder mm-hmm. was up there for one of the gore i mean he had no face, basically, yeah, when that was yeah. done. And I thought it was interesting little gothic tale. I think, you know, honestly, it wins favorite just because I haven't seen Shape of Water. And I don't know what my thoughts would be on Shape of Water. People that I agree with love it. People that I agree with hate it. So it's hard for me to judge how I would fall on it. I mean, I know a lot of people think it's weird, a love story between a fish and a woman. <laughs> It's a movie. I'm okay with that. It just make me
1: believe it. And I didn't believe it.
0: <laughs> you didn't believe that the fish and the woman loved each other. No, I just... <laughs> um, yes, but but Crimson Peak has that as another, you know, creepy love story to it. So it wins just by, by default. And I thought Jessica Chastain was really good at it playing a villainous role. I really enjoyed seeing her in that role. Mia Wachowski, I just want to talk about it for a second. She was supposed to be the next big thing, and she kind of vanished. But I mean, I know she's done things, but she she was supposed to be the huge, huge next big thing. I don't know if you knew that, Bex. No. And so it's always interesting when she pops up in these, and I'm like, oh, yeah, her. Yes, she was going to be like, and I'm not saying she doesn't still do things, whatever. Um, But it was nice to see Jim Beaver. Um, And everybody loves Tom Hiddleston. I'm like, okay, it's Tom Hiddleston. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not as big into the Tom Hiddleston thing as everybody else is, but I'm That's also not fair. a big Marvel. I like Marvel, okay, but I'm not as big into Marvel as most people are. So that could be another reason that I'm just like, I thought he was good. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I don't, I'm not really a.
1: I, I thought know. he was a good, like, good person to cast to get more people to show up right like his casting he fit oh, that yeah. character but it also was big name bring people in oh you know oh he's big in Marvel like at that time he was already mm-hmm. doing the Marvel stuff right so it was just like yeah all right well, let's go see for him <laughs> and then yeah. you get an incest story <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well hey we talked about Back to the Future last week and Back to the Future <laughs> has that in there too they didn't so.
1: go there with it though they almost went there but they did They,
0: kissed. they, <laughs> they kiss. it's not as bad and as, as having a child well no <laughs> no of course not <laughs> but this is gothic horror so yes, you know it's like yes. flowers in the attic kind of thing so
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know you're gonna and i didn't really have a problem with that not like i'm saying i like that stuff but and I'm also surprised I haven't seen uh, The Shape of Water because it has Michael Shannon, and I am a huge Michael Shannon fan. I think he is a fantastic actor, um, one of the best actors around. So I'm surprised I haven't seen him for that. But also mention of Crimson Peak is Doug Jones is also in this, and of course, Doug Jones is in, he also features in a lot of Del Toro work. Of course, mm-hmm. he is the fish in The Shape of Water. <laughs> And he, yes, and he's in Pan's Labyrinth. He's he, he's known for doing those where he doesn't look like himself and mm-hmm. doing those kind of roles. So, yeah. um, So that one, just by default. But I'm kind of with you for some, I think some of the stuff maybe he produced and stuff, but, and I haven't watched The Strain. And I'm surprised I haven't because vampire either. stuff is, vampire stuff is my jam i love vampire stuff next week we're gonna be talking. we were about just
1: talking stuff. about this uh, you know as i was preparing for the episode and my husband's like i can't believe you didn't watch that with me you didn't watch like no i know you didn't watch it with me but like i think you would like it. and i'm like yeah i probably would i just <laughs> didn't watch it at the time and and i feel like one of it's one of those things where like if you watched it when it was happening you were in on it but like it's not so big in pop culture that like people are bringing it back to you later if you didn't get around yeah. to it when it happened
0: yeah yeah
1: okay. no thoughts on um no thoughts on um pacific Rim. <laughs>
0: no i'm not gonna... <laughs> sorry <laughs> i don't i don't mean to laugh saying that it's not a I, i'm not no, saying it's a bad movie i just i just made that noise because i don't know why it just kind of surprised me but <laughs> That's the only reason, not because you know. But. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No
1: purchase necessary. Prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And so let's move on to the 2020s, the present day. So he actually has worked on a lot of things, writing and doing characters for, like troll hunters and all these like animated things. He's wrote the screenplay for the witches. And then, of course, rounded out the 2020s. We're not even close to rounding out the 2020s. The
1: Can we please day. round them out now? <laughs> Look, it's 2022, almost 2023. That's basically 2030, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So going to 2021, and, you know, this is the movie that I will spend the majority of the time talking about, uh, is uh, Nightmare Alley, which I have talked about this movie on our best of list. I talked about this movie on our Oscars because of my anger over something. And... (laughs) So I will talk about that in a second. So I don't know, are there anything in this time period? And then if you want to talk about any of his upcoming projects too, because he does have um, cabinets of curiosities that they just mm-hmm. dropped a new trailer and just released the uh, poster for that as well. So that's coming up on Netflix. Yeah. So I don't know if there's, is there stuff you want to talk about?
1: Yeah. Post- I mean, I just jotted down a couple of things, you know, like I said, I, I hadn't seen Nightmare Alley, but please go ahead with the spoilers. I'm okay with it. Um, that's absolutely fine you like you said it was a remake so <laughs> i'm sure there are some things i probably should have known already anyway i'll probably give pinocchio a shot i i'm kind of on the oh, fence yeah, pinocchio. i don't know because pinocchio is not my favorite story to begin with and like i really dislike the disney version but i was thinking maybe he'd be able to like bring a darkness to it that might make it like like that creepy factor that that could really drive home um like the original pinocchio story and i i do think i'm most looking forward to the the cabinet of curiosities cuz this idea of like an episodic style of del toro writing uh i think will i think it it'll be a good format for him cuz my understanding is they're kind of like standalone episodes right they're it's not a continuous story it's like each one is its own thing and and i think that would be kind of fun to see him do something in that shorter realm again as far as like potential future projects that he doesn't have lined up but i think he should
0: <laughs> You think he should <laughs> i like that
1: i Go really want to I really want to see him return to the historical horror in Spanish, um, you know, like a la Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone. I feel like audiences now are much more open to films in languages that they don't speak. We've seen we've seen that with like Parasite and a lot of the Korean films and even the shows on Netflix like Squid Game was huge and it wasn't in English. Right. I mean, I maybe you could watch it in English. I don't know.
0: I think you could watch it dubbed.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe English. that's why people were doing, but I, I don't know. I mean, everyone went and saw Parasite and that was a big deal and that wasn't in English. So I'm hoping that maybe audiences being more receptive to watching things in other languages now, you know, I want to go back to something that I feel is probably more natural for him in terms of his storytelling with the, the horror and I guess maybe just because those are all my favorites, I, I'd like to see him go go back to that. But that's all I have for the 2020s because, you know, the 2010s <laughs> really disappointed me. So and and since the 2020s are, you know, we're rounding them out soon.
0: Or we're, rounding <laughs> we're rounding them out soon, according to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just waiting mean? for the 2030s to see what else
0: he's got. <laughs> Well, he's got tons of projects in development. Um, yeah, you know, so there is actually a sequel to "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark." So you're just curious about Pinocchio. Okay, I, I so... am curious about Pinocchio.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I should be, but I'm curious about it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's got a great cast. So Pinocchio has, um, well, you and McGregor, Ron Perlman, the sex beast himself. <laughs> It has another finn, finn i I, I, know, I
1: know i was scrolling through the cast and i'm like wait is this going to be my first finn
0: Whitrock movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kate blanchett of course all right uh tilda swinton christopher waltz um for uh john turturro you know it's got a great cast I, david bradley
1: I'm... he was um and he was filch in the harry potter movies I'm i don't know a if you a harry potter fan
0: yeah so um but but I mean, it's got a great cast. I'm not a fan of the Pinocchio story either. So yeah. I'm with you on that. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Also, we'll why see. is the
1: Cricket's name Sebastian J. Cricket? Like, what? What happened to Jiminy?
0: <laughs> also, in the actual Jay original,
1: Jiminy. in the original Pinocchio, he doesn't have a name. So in the, I had to read it for a podcast episode. I did once. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but I'll quickly go back to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, because when I was a little kid, I read all those. Like, I read, like, all those little, those books. Those were so amazing. And so when, I remember when this movie first was talked about and then seeing the trailers, and I was so excited for this one. And it's okay. Um, It's kind of, I mean, it's very much geared towards more of a younger audience, I think. So I think for younger audiences that like horror, I think it's actually a good film for that. And it, you know, I mean, it still was creepy when the, you know, spoiler of course, uh, when the, um, although it's in the trailer, when the spider egg thing on her face, that is still one of the creepiest things ever in anything that always creeps me out. Mm -hmm. I just, oh my gosh, and all the spiders just come out. And I don't mind spiders, but oh my gosh, they're crawling all over her and when, the little close-up in the mirror and the little leg of the spider. Have you seen this?
1: I haven't seen it, but I remember the books, so.
0: <laughs> and there's, the, but she's looking in the mirror and she sees this little, the little leg of the spider is sticking out. So she thinks it's just like a hair, I think. And so she goes to touch it and then it moves. <laughs> <And> she- nope. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm like out. the whole big under is moving and then all of a sudden hundreds of spires.
1: all the arachnophobes have just like fast forwarded 30 seconds and 30 seconds yes
0: so if you are yeah (laughs) yeah it's 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 I i would
1: watch that for
0: sure the cast was good though the the young actors were really good in it so It was, it was entertaining. I mean, it's, it's long though. I think it's a little bit too long, but you know, it's almost, it's like an hour and 45 minutes or something, which Mm -hmm. seemed long for, for the movie, but you know, it was entertaining. Okay. Nightmare Alley. So everybody ready to hear me talk about Nightmare Alley again? Yes, please. (laughs) I am. (laughs) So when I talked about this movie the first time I went on a rant because of the fact that, man, um, so. Bradley Cooper, he took over the role from Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to star in this movie, and then he dropped out. And so then Bradley Cooper stepped in and did the movie. And he is so damn good in this movie, and he didn't get nominated. And so that was my rant, because he's, yes, I understand. I mean, you know, you can't feel too bad for Bradley Cooper. But I still felt bad because he was so dang good in this movie. And this is uh, very much a noir film. It's very So if you like uh, film noir movies, this is definitely for you. Uh, once again, you know, this takes place in a freak show. Um, so it's a time, it's a, you know, a period piece. And it takes place there. And Bradley Cooper, who's in basically every single scene almost of this movie, uh he comes to town he doesn't his character doesn't say anything for like the first 10 minutes of the movie and then he speaks and he comes in town and he's like uh playing like a clairvoyant type character okay he's really a uh, scam artist kind of thing so he goes there he falls in love um he runs away he meets Kate Blanchett's character who's a total awful person and, you know, it's it's basically, it's just, it's a noir. I'm not going to say much about it, actually, because I do think it's better to go in a little bit blind with this one. It's a fairly new one, fairly mm-hmm. recent one. But it's basically, it's about a grifter who's working his way up from low-ranking carnival worker to lauded psychic medium. And so that is what he does. I mean, Bradley Cooper's character, Stanton, runs off with Rooney, Mar- Rooney, Mar- Rooney Mara's character, Uh, Molly, who it was basically like the darling in the carnival and she, you know, her parents where she grew up in the carnival Mm -hmm. and she runs off with him and they are in love, but then their marriage is falling apart. But so they're running these schemes on all these people. They start running them on the wrong people, um, including Richard Jenkins character. Uh, So it's, you know, they're running these scams where they're talking to people's dead relatives, that kind of stuff. And taking money from them because they were getting paid to have connections with their, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that um, was so common about... in that
1: era, right? Like that, that, it's still common. <laughs> well, okay, true <laughs> but enough, <yes>.
0: but, <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah. And, and this is a remake, like I said, and it's also, I believe, based on a novel too. Okay. Uh, and the ending is very heartbreaking. Um, just, heartbreaking in the fact that it's kind of this round, it goes round in a circle where basically Bradley Cooper's character kind of starts out, he ends where he began, but a little bit more of a broken man. And he has the final scene that he has where he's trying to get a job at a carnival. And he's got he's got beard, mustache, and he's just like looking scraggly, looking like he's basically been living on the streets. and He is this broken down man that's not anything like the man from the rest of the movie that you see. Oh, his performance and just those, he doesn't say anything and his eyes are just, if people don't know, I love Bradley Cooper. Um, But his eyes say everything and it's just an incredibly heartbreaking and beautiful performance that should have been nominated for an Oscar. And also to point out, to go on the shallow end, I have to thank you Gamel de tour for knowing that we want to see naked men. And Bradley Cooper is full frontal in this movie, by the way. For about All right. two seconds. Alright, well
1: now I'm going to watch it out. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Aaron. Finish this episode up yourself.
0: <laughs> uh, and that's and he is really full frontal. It's not a prosthetic. It's really him. So <laughs> It's really not important to the movie, but I'm just throwing it out there just because Um, I just you I, know, I always seem appreciate when it's not just women that we see naked. So
1: Yes, very true. I do seem to recall Bradley Cooper being one of your favorites. <laughs> that was it's like a whole running mind. gag for for a while, right? It was like, oh, one of my, my favorite, my favorite.
0: <laughs> well, the running gag was, as I said during the first time I talked about Nightmare Alley, is I said, Bradley Cooper, if you happen to get nominated for an Oscar, which he was nominated because he's a producer of this movie and the movie was nominated for Best Picture. So I said, if you happen to get nominated for an Oscar, because there was also potential he could have been nominated for Supporting Actor for Licorice Pizza. And I said, if you need a date to the Oscars, hit me up. That was the running gag. <laughs> and he never did. The bastard. No, How dare. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know he listens to this, so I mean, I'm sure he does. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure Christian told him about the podcast. Oh, I rhythm. think
1: they like hang out together and listen to it like it's like oh, a yeah. listening party.
0: That's our theme, yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Christian's like, I am the unofficial mascot of this podcast. So he gathers all his friends and they all sit in a circle.
1: <laughs> and all of his friends are Aaron's favorites, so yeah. they get together.
0: <laughs> and they have to be just my favorite. Um, but the cast of this movie is amazing. You got Ron Perlman, like we said, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins. Um, you've got even Mary Steenburgen. You've got Kate C- Blanchett, of course, as we said. Tony Collette is really good in this too. Uh, I I think it's fun, and I like noir type movies mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. That's one of my favorite subgenres of movies. So this is not so much a horror film. I mean it's got some thriller elements to it but it's not so much horror but i think it's beautiful it's beautiful to look at it's absolutely gorgeous to watch the cinematography is incredible he Uh, i don't
1: think he's ever disappointed me in that realm like the films that he makes in terms of that i can't think of it i mean maybe there's one that i'm forgetting but like i just i'm really even the ones that i didn't care for i think the cinematography and the visuals were just amazing
0: because he works with good cinematographers and good mm-hmm. you know he works with good people in that yeah category.
1: they bring his visions to life very well
0: <laughs> yeah, it's dan dan bostein is this is the director of photography for nightmare alley so i'm glad i got to talk about nightmare alley again <laughs> Oh, I i'm gonna go watch movie. it just for that 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 just one moment, two seconds of the full frontal, <laughs> full frontal really is, Bradley Cooper. Quick, very quick. It's blinking you miss <laughs> it, and I don't mean blinking you miss it as an insult to Bradley Cooper. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't. I just... <laughs> that's why
1: Bradley Cooper didn't invite you to the Oscars. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Bradley. So we're going to segue now to Six Degrees of Finn Rock. I know, I know, we still do not have the song. It's all on me, though. I'm trying to find the music. I will do it. I've been super, super busy, so I apologize again. We will have our intro song. We will. I'm sorry, Finn, that it has taken this long. If you want to get together with your friends and do the intro song with them, you can also do that or record the music, I mean, because Carla's written it. So Carla has to sing it. So, Bex, I know you are playing. So how did you, which movie did you connect Finn to in Guillermo del Toro's?
1: Well, I actually went with The Strain. So, um, Mm -hmm. uh, because my initial one was like an easy cheat one, which was the Mira Servino in um, American Crime Story and also Finn Rock. But I was like, well, that wasn't the same season of it, the same series, so I'm not going to use it. (laughs) But I, I started with Guillermo del Toro Made the Strain, which features uh, Joaquin Cosio. And he was in Narcos, Mexico with Diego Luna. And Diego Luna was in If Beale Street Could Talk with Finwet Rock.
0: Who I like that connection because you used If Beale Street Could Talk. Yes. I love that movie. So, have you watched? Have you seen that movie? I haven't. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that movie is incredible. Barry Jenkins is one of the best.
1: But I love Guillermo del Toro, I love Joaquin Cosio, and I love Diego Luna. So, you know, that chain, I was like, yes, I am happy with this connection.
0: <laughs> and I'm happy with it because it brings you to that movie. Which well, I, I wanted to do something that wasn't American Horror Story if I could. just <laughs> I always appreciate when we don't use, I mean, because I've used American Horror Story 10, but I always appreciate when we try not, when we steer clear of Ryan Murphy sometimes, just because it's so easy to do that. And so I appreciate it when it's other other things. So I do appreciate that. And that's a great movie. And it's one of two times where Finn Wittrock is kind of, he's pretty much a token white guy in that movie. And I appreciate that. We need more token white guys.
1: <laughs> he makes a very good token white guy. <laughs> yes.
0: And those are great. I mean, you know, it's—it was the second. it was the second, um, it was the follow-up to uh, Moonlight for Barry Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful, oh, it's a heartbreaking movie, but it's so beautiful. It was my second favorite film of that year. So I highly, highly recommend that one. Okay, well, I used Bradley Cooper, too, on this one. (laughs) From one favorite to the next. So I used Nightmare Alley, (laughs) uh, which, as I've already said, stars one Bradley Cooper. And Bradley Cooper was in another David O. Russell film called American Hustle with our unofficial mascot, Christian fucking Bale. And Bale was also in the incredible, incredible movie, The Big Short, which have you seen this movie? I have not, but I used it last time in my connection. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did. Yes. With, with Finn. And we love that movie. So there's the connection. I also love that our unofficial mascot and our vice Unofficial mascot have been in a movie together.
1: <laughs> I mean, I like that you connected all three of them in your That's you were like,, how do I, I get there using my all my favorites
0: I used three of my my dark-haired men all in one journey there. I respect that, <laughs> that yep, I'm incredible that way, but <laughs> it was amazing how I was able to do that uh so anyway thank you so much Bex, for being on this one with me i really appreciate it i had a ton of fun and i had a ton of fun watching some movies of his that i had not yet watched and then talking about these so if you want to just let everybody know where they can find you and your podcasts
1: (laughs) yes well i live on twitter so you can find me at any one of the following accounts. <laughs> um, my personal account is at a single man tier. Obviously, a reference to supernatural. Uh, the podcast that I co-host with my friend Kimberly, who will be uh on some of the episodes this month here with Aaron is Big Reputations. You can find me at Big Rep Pod on that one. I also, if you want to bring in the Spanish language connection, the Guillermo del Toro stuff. I co-host a podcast uh, at Brute College called Latinx Visions on Twitter, at Latinx Visions. And I don't run the Twitter account for this last one, but my other podcast that I am one of four co-hosts on is Coach Beard's Book Club, at Beard's Book Club. So (laughs) that's all my (laughs) podcast projects. Then I, you know, I also do have a job that pays me too. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where I find the time, but I, I make it happen.
0: I I understand.
1: <laughs> you would, if anyone would, for sure.
0: Yes, yes. This is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Send me more connections with all my men <laughs> on Twitter. You can at me there. Um, You can be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at FandomThingPod, no it's in that one, on Instagram at it's a fandomthingpod, on TikTok at it's a fandom pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on this show, anyone I have mentioned, anyone who has been in any of these movies, please feel free to reach out to me by going to it's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there, that'll shoot me an email. And I try to be as responsive as possible to those. You know, even if I have a busy schedule, still reach out to me. We can try and find some time, hopefully, to be able to make those things work. Uh, and then also, while you're on the website, you can play the listener version of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock by clicking the page called Six titled Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. By the time this drops, we should have October's movies and television shows It'll just be movies and it's going to be all horror related, of course. So it'll be ones that we have covered before. I'm not positive by the time I, at the time of recording this what they're going to be, but by the time this drops, which will be the Friday, October 7th, I should know. And then also a heads up tomorrow, Friday, October 8th, we are kicking off Horror Trivia, which is going to be done a little differently this year. So this year, how we're doing it is we are going to have people competing, we're going to have panelists competing against other podcasts and the like and people basically the podcasts and the um and the panelists that are competing whoever wins we will donate ten dollars to an organization of their choice but also we are gonna do like polls we're probably gonna do ways to submit who you think is gonna win who you think will win that category it could be a team it could be an individual like Jen from my streaming bubble is gonna be playing on 80s horror night And which is our kickoff, which is tomorrow night. And she's going to be playing individually. But if you think Jen knows everything there is to know about 80s horror, and you want her to be your player, you're picking her, then you choose her. And then if she wins, we will randomly select one person that she's been playing on behalf of. And you will win some merch for our 80s night. We are going to be giving away some 80s merch that we picked up at 52 so for people here that are local in colorado please go support them they donated some prizes to us for our trivia event which was very very generous of them they're an awesome awesome 80s store you can find everything from horror to kids stuff everything it's incredible and their selection changes constantly and they're a small local store so go support them so, yep, and then if you want information about that, hopefully by this time they'll, it'll all be up on the website of all the different nights and what's going on and who is participating those nights. It might not be updated until a few days before as far as who is the contestants are, but so check that out. Those should be a ton of fun. We're only doing it for four weeks, but it should be fun. So next week, we are going to be talking about vampires. So we're going to kick things off. We're talking about the sexuality of vampires. So we're going to be talking about vampires and sex and how they represent different forms of sexuality, Um, everything from how they are represented in the LGBTQIA plus community to also how it represents women and sexuality, uh, virginality, virgin, (laughs) virgins, really, and how blood represents sexuality a lot in the vampire myth and lore so we'll be talking about that and then we're going to talk about the lost boys so that's one of my favorites i used to have the poster above my bed yes above my bed when i was a kid
1: (laughs) it's a good one though it really is i didn't see it till i was an adult but um it was i really appreciated it when
0: i did see it i love it i love it so so dang much so and i got to see it last year at the drive-in and that was really cool. That was awesome. It's like a perfect movie for a drive-in. So yeah. that, was, that was a lot of fun. And then just a reminder for our other horror episodes that are coming up, uh, the week after that, we are going to be talking about Child's Play and Final Destination. And that will be one that Kimberly will be on. Um, a note for Child's Play, please go check out the show Chucky, which is on Peacock. And it is fantastic. And the new season is starting soon and it also has a tie in to final destination because devin sawa from the first final destination movie who is hilarious if you should follow him on twitter he uh is in he's in chucky so and i guess he's going to be in the second one too and then we are going and then the, we're going to wrap things up talking about the purge series and then we're going to be talking about horror films that feature cults so think midsummer the amazing wonderful movie that i am If you want to take me up on my homework assignment for you, dear listeners, please go watch The Invitation. I believe it's on Shudder right now, but it is an incredible indie horror flick. It's a slow build. It's psychological. It's, oh, oh, it is so good. And haunting ending. It's absolutely haunting ending. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.